Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Andrew Womack. Andrew is passionate about helping people experience the unconditional love of God and walk in His promises. He's well known for his empowering teaching on the balance between grace and faith. You can watch Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack weekdays on Miracle Channel at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Let's dive into the message. You know, this is a passage of Scripture from uh, John chapter 14, and these are some of my favorite Scriptures. This is Jesus teaching to His disciples the night before His crucifixion. And, of course, John 14, 15, and 16 is uh, one of two places in Scripture where we have just straight teaching from Jesus. The other would be the Sermon on the Mount John, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 5. 6 and 7. But this is one of the longest discourses that we have from Jesus. He was speaking to His disciples the night before His crucifixion. And actually, I've gotten a lot of my series that I teach out of this passage. So this is a favorite passage of Scripture with me. I've gotten a lot of great revelation. And I was studying this just a few months back. And it just really, once again, refreshed to me some of the things that the Lord had spoken. And I went to sleep and uh, I had this dream. I dreamed all night long about these passages of Scripture. And when I got up in the morning, I just sat down. And in one day's time, I wrote this little pamphlet right here. It's only 28 pages long and uh, it's real uh, short, but it is powerful. And so I wrote this and I want to just share with you some of the things that the Lord has spoken to me And uh, this could be expanded a lot. Matter of fact, I'm going to touch on just a number of the most important things that God has shown me as we go through this little teaching right here. So I'm actually going to be teaching from this little pamphlet that we've got. It's just very short, but it's very powerful. So all of this, as I said, is from the night before JESUS WAS CRUCIFIED. HE HAD JUST HAD THE LAST SUPPER. HE HAD JUST WATCHED THE DISCIPLES' FEET. Uh, JUDAS HAD LEFT TO GO BETRAY HIM TO THE CHIEF PRIEST. AND SO LET ME START HERE IN JOHN CHAPTER 14 AND IN VERSE 1. HE SAYS, LET NOT YOUR HEART BE TROUBLED. YOU BELIEVE IN GOD, BELIEVE ALSO IN ME. MAN, THAT ONE VERSE IS PREGNANT WITH A LOT OF THINGS IN IT. YOU KNOW, ACTUALLY, I'VE GOT AN ENTIRE SERIES, HARNESSING YOUR EMOTIONS, THAT WAS INSPIRED FROM THIS VERSE. THE NIGHT BEFORE JESUS WAS CRUCIFIED, HE GAVE A COMMAND. THIS ISN'T A REQUEST OR A SUGGESTION. IT'S SAYING, GUYS, NOW TRY THIS, AND I KNOW THAT YOU'RE ONLY HUMAN, AND IT MAY NOT WORK, BUT DO THE BEST YOU CAN. NO, HE JUST SAID, LET NOT YOUR HEART BE TROUBLED. AND THEY WERE ENTERING INTO PROBABLY ONE OF THE WORST TIMES OF THEIR LIFE. THEY WERE GOING TO SEE THEIR MASTER WHO ALL OF THEIR HOPES AND DREAMS WERE ALL HINGED UPON HIM AND THEY DID NOT UNDERSTAND 
the full plan of salvation. They were going to see Him arrested. They were going to see Him crucified. They were going to see Him dead and buried. And did you know most people today would say, well, it would be totally unjust to tell a person to let not your heart be troubled when you go through something like that. If you aren't bothered, if this doesn't just devastate you, if your heart isn't broken, then something's wrong with you. You're in denial. See, that's the way that our world has approached things today. They, If you stand and tell people that we are victorious, that God always wants us to triumph in our Lord Jesus Christ, which is what the Scripture says. When you come out and say things like this, there are large segments of the body of Christ that will sit there and say, well, you're putting down people that have problems. You aren't sympathizing. You're supposed to get down and you're supposed to say, we know that you're suffering and we feel your pain and things like this. There is a place for showing love and compassion, but sympathy actually empowers failure. I believe that true compassion, sometimes you have to use tough love and you have to tell a person to get up and go at it again. You can do it. But somehow or another, the church has gotten into where they really feel like empathizing, sympathizing with people, but they don't empower people. Jesus was telling His disciples the night before His crucifixion, don't let your heart be troubled. Today, most Christians would say, that's not compassion. That is not feeling empathy for people. They were going to see Jesus crucified. They were going to see all of their dreams dashed. And here He is telling them not to let their heart be troubled. That's unreasonable. Did you know today there are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of Christian ministers that are telling people to act differently than what Jesus did. The night before the worst time in their life, the worst time in human history, Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled. You know, we're just coming out of this coronavirus type thing, and there's a lot of Christians that just think, oh, well, man, you should be bothered. You should be worried. People are being laid off. People have died, all of this. And they just, in a sense, they empower these things and say, well, yes, God told us to let not our heart be troubled, but that only goes so far. If you are facing death, if you're being laid off, if something is happening, you are justified in falling apart like a $2 suitcase. That's the way that a lot of people, a lot of Christians are presenting things. How did Jesus respond the night before His crucifixion? He told His disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. And why shouldn't they do it? Because they believe in God, believe also in Him. Faith is the answer to all of these things. If you have faith in God, you don't have to be afraid. It says over in the book of Psalms, David said, though the mountains be removed and be cast into the sea, yet will I trust in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I guarantee you none of us have seen all of the mountains depart and be cast into the sea yet. And until that happens with David, we ought to be praising God and we ought to be saying, praise God, I know I'm going to win. I'm going to win in this life. And if for some reason my faith wasn't able to appropriate the healing, the prosperity, or whatever it is that is your problem, if the worst thing happens, you die and go to be with Jesus, you live forever in a mansion on streets that are paved with gold, you'll never sorrow, you'll never have any more cares, you'll not for, remember even the, the former things, won't even come to mind is what Isaiah said. There is zero reason for us to be stressed out and again, this, there's a lot of Christians that'll sit there and say, well, you're condemning other people. I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you, Jesus has provided more for us 
than what most of us have appropriated. I'm nearly preaching some of these other things. These are not the verses I'm wanting to get to. I'm going to have to skip through this. I've got an entire series entitled, uh, you know, Harnessing Your Emotions. I've got another series that actually goes through John chapter 16, 17, and 18 entitled The Christian Survival Kit. I think that there's like, uh, I'm not even sure, but there's 18, 20 or more uh, teachings, one-hour teachings in that one series that just goes through all of this. I'm going to have to speed up here. In verses 2 and 3, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know, in chapter uh, 14, verse 1, he had just said, Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then I believe verses 2 and 3, the reason he brought up heaven is because, you know, if worse comes to worse, I believe that God has provided healing for us, prosperity, joy, peace. I believe that we can rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of what's going on. Jesus started this saying that. The very end of this teaching in John chapter 16, verse 33, He says, In the world you shall have tribulation. <laughs> that was an understatement. I mean, in the next 30 minutes, he was going to be arrested and he was going to be taken before uh, Pilate and then to Herod and uh, his disciples all forsook him and fled. Peter denied three times that he even knew him. He could have said, you know, in the next 30 minutes, you are going to have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So he started by saying, don't let your heart be troubled. He ended by saying, be of good cheer regardless of what goes on. I'm telling you, we can be encouraged. We can be victorious. We can have joy and peace. I don't care what's going on in your life. And I know that's not popular and a lot of people think that I'm uh, putting a standard out there that condemns people. I am not condemning anybody. I am telling you that Jesus has provided so much for you that His supply is so infinitely greater than your need that in comparison, there is no reason to be stressed out about anything. If we win in this life, get healed, delivered, prospered, wonderful. If we don't, we go to eternity. And that's the reason that He brought this up when He was saying, don't be stressed out. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. And then he talked about heaven. If worst case comes to, if the worst thing happens, you go to be with the Lord. And man, things are awesome. You know, many of us grew up singing this song, When We All Get to Heaven, What a Day That'll Be. And man, people talk about the joys of heaven. And then the doctor tells you you're going there and you start crying and talk about how terrible everything is. Something's wrong with this picture. If you have the attitude that the Apostle Paul had, which we can also have, it says, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm in this great dilemma. I'm in a strait between two things, wanting to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better than living here. But I'm going to stay here so that I can minister unto you and that your joy might be full. You can have that attitude to where you aren't afraid of death. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15 says that Jesus came to deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. When you get that attitude of the Apostle Paul that for you to live as Christ and to die is even better. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says that uh, if this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have another 
tabernacle, another body uh, reserved for us in heaven. When you get this attitude, you, you aren't afraid of death. You aren't stressed out by it. You aren't longing to leave because you've got a purpose and you're going to accomplish what God wants you to do, but you just, it's no problem. People are in bondage through a fear of death. You don't have to be afraid of death. I've got a point. I've got a purpose. I've got a job that God has given me. And so I'm not excited about leaving here prematurely. I want to run my race, finish my course, accomplish what God has called me to do. But I tell you what, I am not afraid of death. I've got a lot of reasons to be looking forward to going to be with the Lord. The older I get, the more family and friends I have in eternity. And I tell you, heaven's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. I am not afraid of it. So then he goes on to say, after he had said this, he says, Whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, this is the one that we call doubting Thomas, John chapter 20, after the resurrection, he wasn't present when the other disciples saw Jesus raised from the dead. And so he doubted that Jesus was raised. He says, unless I can see, unless I can touch my, put my finger into the print of the nails, unless I can put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Because of that, we often call him Doubting Thomas. And when Jesus is talking about, you know, where, whether I'm going, you know, and the way you know, Thomas said unto him, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now think about this. Jesus had just said, where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. Thomas turns around and says, no, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way if we don't know where you're going? He just said, I, you do know? Thomas said, no, I don't know. Did you know it would be wise for you at the very least to keep your mouth shut when, you are, when God says something and you, you don't see it, you don't understand it? It'd be wise for you at the very least not to express all of your doubt. But Thomas, he just blurted out, no, God, you're wrong. We don't know where you're going. Man, I could make a million applications of this, but the scripture says, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. And yet there's Christians who'll say, oh no, I'm not healed. The Bible says you are healed. You say, no, I'm not healed. The Bible says that you are prosperous, that God supplies all of your needs. Oh, no, that's not true. It is true. Whatever God says is true. And he goes on and explains this. But the point I'm making is that, see, when, when God says something, you ought to at the very least just say, Father, I don't understand. Help me to understand. You said that by your stripes I was healed, but I don't feel healed. And the doctor says I'm not healed. And I've got this doctor's report. And God, what does it mean? That would be a better approach than just saying, well, your word says that I'm healed, but I'm not healed. And I can prove it because here's my doctor's report. You would be better off not to contradict God. And yet Thomas, he just said, Lord, you're wrong. We don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? So then Jesus said unto him in verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. They knew Jesus. They didn't know him the way that they should have known him. And I'm going to talk about that. Jesus will talk about that in the next few verses. They knew him, but they didn't know him in the depth that they should. But for them to say, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. They knew Jesus, but they didn't know that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. 
THEY DIDN'T HAVE A FULL REVELATION OF WHO JESUS WAS AND WHAT HE HAD. AND SO THIS IS THE PROBLEM RIGHT HERE. WE'VE GOT TO GET TO WHERE WHEN GOD SAYS THAT YOU ARE ABOVE ONLY AND NOT BENEATH, YOU ARE THE HEAD AND NOT THE TAIL, THAT, MAN, YOUR ENEMIES WILL COME OUT AGAINST YOU ONE WAY, BUT THEY'LL FLEE SEVEN WAYS. NO PLAGUE WILL COME NIGH YOUR DWELLING AND ON AND ON THE PROMISES GO. WE MAY LOOK AT WHAT JESUS SAID AND LOOK AT OUR CIRCUMSTANCES AND SAY IT DOESN'T LOOK LIKE IT MATCHES, BUT RATHER THAN JUST CONTRADICTING GOD AND SAYING, GOD, YOU'RE WRONG. LIKE, YOU KNOW, AGAIN, DURING THIS CORONAVIRUS THING, THERE ARE SCRIPTURES THAT TALK ABOUT THAT WE WILL NOT BE AFRAID FOR THE PESTILENCE THAT WALKETH IN DARKNESS. NO PLAGUE WILL COME NIGH OUR DWELLING. ONLY WITH OUR EYES WILL WE SEE AND BEHOLD THE REWARD OF THE WICKED. WE'VE GOT PROMISES THAT GOD WILL BE A a GUARD ROUND ABOUT US, LIKE A FORCE FIELD, THAT NOTHING CAN EVEN TOUCH US. NO PLAGUE CAN COME NIGH OUR DWELLING. WE'VE GOT ALL OF THESE PROMISES, AND THERE ARE MULTITUDES OF CHRISTIANS THAT SEE THESE PROMISES, BUT THEN THEY SEE WHAT'S ON THE NEWS, AND THEY SEE SOMEBODY ELSE AROUND THEM. THEY SEE SOMETHING HAPPEN, SOMEBODY DIE. THEY SEE SOMETHING, AND they, THEY ARE MORE MOVED BY THAT, AND THEY JUST SIT HERE AND CONTRADICT WHAT GOD SAYS. OH, NO, WE GOT TO BE AFRAID. WE'VE GOT TO BE CAREFUL. WHEN THE BIBLE SITS HERE AND SAYS THAT NO PLAGUE WILL EVEN COME NIGH OUR DWELLING. THIS ISN'T JUST TALKING ABOUT MY PHYSICAL HOUSE. THIS IS TALKING ABOUT MY BODY. MY BODY IS MY DWELLING. THIS IS WHAT I LIVE IN, AND NO PLAGUE CAN COME NEAR ME. AND I, AGAIN, KNOW THAT THERE'S MANY PEOPLE WATCHING THIS PROGRAM THAT THINK YOU ARE STRANGE. WELL, I'M SAYING THIS IN LOVE, BUT I THINK YOU ARE STRANGE WHEN YOU HAVE THESE PROMISES AND WE DON'T APPROPRIATE THEM. AND PEOPLE SAY, BUT I CAN... LOOK AT ALL THE PEOPLE THAT HAVE DIED OF THIS VIRUS. AND SOMEBODY WILL SAY, EVEN CHRISTIANS HAVE DIED BELIEVING THIS. WELL, I'M SURE THAT THERE'S CHRISTIANS THAT HAVE DIED OF THIS VIRUS, AND THEY MAY HAVE SAID THAT THEY WERE BELIEVING GOD, BUT THE BIBLE SAYS THIS IS THE VICTORY THAT OVERCOMES THE WORLD, EVEN OUR FAITH. THEY they MAY HAVE MEANT GOOD, THEY MAY HAVE WANTED TO BELIEVE GOD, BUT WHEN YOU ARE TRULY OPERATING IN VICTORY, YOU OVERCOME, YOU DON'T GET OVERCOME. AND I KNOW THAT BY ME SAYING THAT, THERE'S A LOT OF PEOPLE WHO THINK, SO YOU'RE SITTING HERE CONDEMNING ANY PERSON WHO EVER GETS SICK. NO, I'M NOT. WE'RE IN A BATTLE, AND SATAN IS FIGHTING AGAINST US, AND WE'VE GOT SO MANY THINGS, SO MANY DISTRACTIONS. WE'VE GOT SO MANY THINGS HAPPENING. IT'S LIKE A SOLDIER. YOU'RE ON THE FRONT LINES AND YOU GET SHOT. DOES THAT MEAN THAT YOU WERE A BAD SOLDIER? NO, YOU MAY HAVE BEEN OUT THERE DOING YOUR JOB, BUT WE'VE GOT AN ENEMY. HE FIGHTS AGAINST US, AND SOMETIMES WE TAKE SOME HITS, AND I'M NOT CONDEMNING ANYBODY, BUT I AM SAYING THAT WE CAN WALK IN VICTORY. AND JESUS SAID THAT THIS IS THE VICTORY THAT OVERCOMES THE WORLD, EVEN OUR FAITH. AND YET THERE'S A LOT OF CHRISTIANS THAT WILL SIT THERE AND SEE THE PROMISES OF GOD, LIKE NO PLAGUE WILL COME NIGH OUR DWELLING, AND YET THEY JUST OPERATE IN TOTAL FEAR. AND THEY ARE, are AS uh, FEARFUL AS THEIR NEIGHBORS THAT DON'T KNOW THE LORD. THEY'RE AS SICK AS THEIR NEIGHBORS THAT know, DON'T KNOW THE LORD. THEY'RE AS WORRIED FINANCIALLY AS THEIR NEIGHBORS THAT DON'T KNOW THE LORD. THAT'S NOT RIGHT. JESUS HAS SAID THESE THINGS, AND WE DON'T NEED TO SIT HERE AND SAY, NO, YOU'RE WRONG. WE DON'T KNOW THE WAY, AND WE CAN'T KNOW HOW TO GET THERE. NO, YOU'RE WRONG. WE CAN'T WALK IN DIVINE HEALTH. WE CAN'T STAND THERE AND SAY WITH DAVID IN PSALMS 103 THAT GOD HEALS ALL OF OUR SICKNESSES AND ALL OF OUR DISEASES. NO, WE CAN'T SAY THAT. I KNOW YOUR WORD SAYS THAT, BUT NO, THAT DOESN'T WORK FOR US. THAT'S WRONG. 
you are never going to see victory in this life as long as you take what God says and you would rather believe what the news media is saying by what the doctor is saying than what all of these circumstances say. You've got to get to where God's Word dominates you. Romans chapter 3, verse 4 says, Let God be true and every man a liar. You've got to get to that place. So uh, uh, Thomas had just told him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Jesus said, you do know. He says, no, I don't know. And then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Boy, there's so much more I'd love to say about that, but I don't want to get off this subject. In verse 7, Jesus said, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, ye know him and have seen him. Now, Jesus had just said that you know where I'm going and you know the way. Thomas said, nope, we don't know where you're going, therefore we can't know the way. And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you had known me, you should have known the Father. Now, this time, Philip speaks up in verse 8. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it'll satisfy us. Now, you need to think about this. This, this is what I'm wanting to focus on. And this is what I wrote this little booklet about. Are you satisfied with Jesus? Jesus had just said, if you had seen me, you should have seen the Father. If you've known me, you would have known the Father. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Did you know if you stop and think about that, Philip is saying, Jesus, we aren't satisfied with you. You haven't satisfied me. But if I could see the Father, I'd be satisfied. Man, that, that is an amazing statement. If Jesus doesn't satisfy you, who or what will? Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.